0: Uh, We're continuing our series on one another. Have you guys enjoyed the series so far? Yeah. Yeah, it's good, right? It's a a good encouragement. There's over 50 um, different one another's in scripture, or 70 depending on how you're counting them. But this week, um, I'm going to be talking, um, I want to start off with a quick story about there was once a rich man, and every year he would decide to host, he hosted this like open invitation, lavish poolside birthday party. And every year, um, he would make the same offer to everyone. And it was basically, if you could swim from one end to the other across his pool uh, and not get e- eaten by his crocodiles that he had, you would win a million dollars. And no one ever took him up on it, because, I mean, that's crazy, right? But this year, just after he made the announcement, there was a splash in one end of the pool. And everyone's heads quickly turned, and they saw this guy just swimming for his life. Right? He's just dodging crocodiles as they're snapping at him and slashing through his clothes. He makes it to the end of the pool, and he gets out right in front of the the rich man, and and he was both amazed and a little disappointed that he made it through the whole ordeal, but being a man of his word, he's like, well, congratulations, young man, you just won a million dollars, and the the guy goes, well, I don't really need your money. He's like, I just want to know who pushed me in. Um, So that's what we're talking about today. We're going to be talking about spurring one another on giving each other a little push. So our scripture is going to be out of Hebrews chapter 10 verses 24 and 25. This is kind of going to be the focus for uh, this morning. So it says this, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as we see the day approaching. So just to start off, I, I want to focus on this phrase right here, let us consider. Uh, I think this is significant because it means to to think deeply about something, to concentrate, right? It, it's, it's not something that could just happen. It It requires great intentionality. If we're going to spur one another on toward love and good deeds, we need to be thoughtful and we need to be prayerful about it. And I think it's kind of funny, or maybe not funny, but... I see a lot of times where people, you know, really plan out like a two-week vacation. Like they put a lot of effort, they, they plan it out like a year, two years in advance, um, put a lot of effort into planning that, but then they don't really plan out their own life. They kind of just live life and let it happen. I think back like growing up, I used to play soccer. Um, obviously, I don't anymore. <laughs> um, no, but it, I, I would practice, we would practice several times a week as like a team and during my free time. You know, I'd work on my soccer skills and, like, practice the plays that we would go over, and then we would have, like, games. So we would invest, like, so much time into this. And then, especially, I mean, as a kid, you don't really think about your life. You just kind of live it. But, but even as adults, I see a lot of adults that just live life, and, and they just let it happen. And uh, we want to have these, these happy, healthy relationships and a great life without doing, putting in any effort in. And, and that doesn't happen that way, right? You get out what you put in. So when this, when this scripture says, let us consider, it, it's, it's saying, okay, we need to game plan this, right? We, okay, we, we need to focus, how are we going to be the church? How can we spur one another on towards love and good deeds? And that's what we're going to be talking about this weekend. So while I was studying for this message, um, I came across this, this fascinating matrix on human personalities called the Johari Window. It's basically the, this four-pane uh, window, if you will. There's, there's four quadrants that, in a sense, reveal our, our identity through four different dimensions. We look at ourselves from four different angles. So uh, the first area is the open area, or the arena area. And this is what you know about yourself and others know about you, right? This is who you are in public. This is your public persona. This is what, who you are when everyone sees, um, the next one going down is the hidden area, the facade, and this is what you know about yourself, but others don't know about you. And this is who you are in private. This is your private persona. This is who you are when no one's looking. And I think as Christians, a lot of times we just think about like a secret sin or whatever. And that is there, but it could also be, you know, deep disappointments that we have that are difficult to talk about or, or to process through, or even uh, maybe like hopes and dreams that you have um, that honestly, if you were willing to speak them out, might become, help them become a reality, um, but I digress. Uh, the third window, top right, is the blind spot area. This consists what, this is the area like, oh, your zipper's down, or like you got... Parsley in your teeth, this is, this is where you need someone to speak into your life and tell you what they see, right? You, you need, you, you can't see these things in yourself in, in this area, and this is where you need friends that are willing to come alongside you and care enough to confront. And the last quadrant is the unknown quadrant, and this one I think is super unique. It's kind of fascinating because this is, you don't know about you and others don't know about you, and this is where we really need to rely on the Holy Spirit, This is where we need God to reveal to us the the things that are invisible to everyone except for to Him. This is where the Holy Spirit plays such a vital role, and I think this is where we can really begin to see ourselves through the eyes of God. Just a little observation here. God knows you better than you know you. So if you want to get to know yourselves, you have to get to know God because He knows everything about you. He has plans and purposes for you. There's gifts that you have not discovered yet. Do you believe that? Yeah. yeah. Right? I don't care how old you are, even if you're as old as me. Um, <laughs> uh, you can't tell me, I'm getting older, so older. But you can't tell me, Spirit, that you haven't experienced in your life that God doesn't want to exercise in your life. You can't tell me that there's, there's no gifts that, that you have, you've accomplished at all. And this is where we need the holy spirit to help us so what i'm trying to say is if we ignore god it's like we're ignoring ourselves. in fact self-discovery is not finding yourself it is finding god and then he will reveal who he created you to be it's about finding god and he will reveal who he created you to be so we're going to go back to we're going to focus really on on the third quadrant right here the blind spot quadrant this is where these one another verses are so critical uh, it says, you know, that in these one and other verses that we need people to speak into the blind spots in our lives, right? We need other people to spur us on toward love and good deeds. Now, the word spur, um, you don't have to be in a rodeo or like a little rodeo clown or cowboy or whatever to know, you know, it's the little, the little star, the little thing on the back of your heel and you do one of, one of those little things, right? Give you a little get up and go, like the gas pedal. It's like the gas pedal on a car, Right, And the most literal literal translation of this verse is that sometimes we need one another to to kick us in the behind every once in a while, right? When it comes to love and good deeds, sure, sometimes you might need a pat on the shoulder, sometimes you might need a little encouragement, but sometimes you need a little one of these deals. Uh, Sometimes you need someone to come along and kick you in the backside to get you to go on toward love and good deeds. So before we get a few things, before we get to the practical steps on how we can put this into practice, and I think it's good to understand the word of God. The word "spur" has a couple of various meanings. So the first one uh, is to sharpen, right? And this makes me think of Proverbs twenty-seven, seventeen, right? As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another, and that's the idea: is that we need to sharpen each other. We need to spur each other on. It can also mean provoke. In other words, don't, don't let someone maintain the status quo. Right? This this is tough love. This is caring enough to confront someone about something. And the last thing is that it can mean to irritate. It's a little now I want to be careful, some of us are married here. So this, uh, there's a fine line between spurring someone on and, and nagging, right? This isn't a license to nag. Ooh. The, I think the litmus test to really kind of, uh, of see, what, like, you know, oh, is this spurring? Is it nagging? Is whose best interest is it in? Right? A lot of times, I think whenever you're, we're nagging someone, we're trying to, to get them to conform, to get them to do what we want them to do. It's selfish in nature, but genuine spurring, you see the God-given potential in someone. You want what's best for someone. You want them to become the best them that they can be, and, and you, you, you spur them on. You irritate them just a little bit because you want them to become that, that better self, Right? So, so sometimes that's what we need in order to grow into the image of God. Recently, um, my wife and I, we, we joined a gym because uh, we're trying to get back in shape because having two little toddlers with infinite energy, like we, we just are exhausted and we want to have the energy to be able to at least somewhat keep up with them. Um, but the reality is it's hard going back to the gym uh, we haven't, I mean, it's only been like three years, but that's kind of a long time, especially two pregnancies, and I put on a lot of sympathy weight. <laughs> she was. She had pregnancy cravings, and I'm like, oh, that sounds good to me. <laughs> but so we joined the gym in December, and we actually signed up for an annual plan, because we're like, oh, well, you can't cancel it. So we're like, well, we're paying the money, so I'm not just going to pay this and like not go. I mean... Sometimes we're tempted to, but, and it, it was funny, January, just like every year, uh, we saw like a new influx of people, like a whole bunch of people joined the gym, New Year's resolution, get fit, uh, and then we've gradually seen, even to now, uh, the numbers dwindle, like people, you know, you're really motivated at first, and then you kind of just falls off, and, you know, I, I think, I know my New Year's resolutions that i I've always made. I don't know if I've ever really stuck with one. <laughs> um, I can't even think of one. Yeah, uh, but but the thing is, because you know, the, we don't really have a lot of motivation that that really pushes us toward it. We don't have someone or something spurring us on toward these goals, right? So I think it was like maybe two weeks ago, on Sunday, we told the kids, "Okay, hey guys, we're gonna go to, go to the gym in the morning." And they're like, "Yay!" Because there's like childcare and uh, and like other kids there, so they get to hang out and play. So that's what gym means—is go play somewhere else. Um, so they're like, "Yay!" Um, so Monday rolls around, Monday morning, and guess who has two thumbs and does not want to go to the gym? This guy. <laughs> and I think Stephanie didn't really want to go to the gym either, but it was probably more me, honestly. But no, so I, I was like, oh, I really don't want to go to the gym this morning. But our kids wake up, and they, they get up nice and early, and then they come into our room. They don't say good morning. I mean, I can't believe a one and a three-year-old don't say good morning to us, but they say, we go gym? <laughs> and it was like, it was like, oh, uh, you know, maybe, maybe a little later. It was like, okay, well, let's get breakfast first. And like, okay. So they quickly, like, eat their breakfast. It takes them, like, two minutes. And then they're like, okay, we go gym? And then it was like, uh, you know, can we like sit down? We'll, we'll, like, you got, we'll put on the TV. You watch TV. Like, like, no, we go gym. So then like we're arguing with our, our toddlers and like, well, I don't want to go to the gym. And they're like, you said we go gym. And it was like, so we're having this disagreement. Long story short, we ended up going to the gym. But we kind of realized, you know, they would not let us up. They, they irritated us. They spurred us on. They were like our own little, they were our own little personal trainers that were like, work out. <laughs> they were pushing us to go to the gym. Now, they were probably selfish in nature. They, I don't think they were like genuinely like, oh, I think it's in your best interest if you go work out. Uh, they were like, I won't go play. But it was for our best interest, so we kind of let it slide. But I heard this quote before and it's kind of really stuck with me and it's this it's easier to be right than it is to love it's easier to be right than it is to love i think this is often where we fall short as the church of jesus christ we would rather be right than we would to love people why because it's easier do i believe that we are, are we right absolutely Right, I believe the Bible is the inspired word of God. I believe that there's one mediator between God and man and that's Jesus Christ, that he lived a sinless, blameless life. Do I believe that we're right? Absolutely. But if we reduce the gospel to just, about, just being about right and wrong, we're missing the point. It's not about being right. It's about righteousness. More specifically, the righteousness of Christ. It's not a byproduct of, oh, we're right, but by admitting that we're wrong. You with me? So what we do is we receive the righteousness of Christ, and it sets us free. What I'm trying to say is, let's not just take the easy way out. Let's not settle for being right, but let's strive for righteousness. I think when it comes to like churches, I've, I've seen a lot of churches that really focus on being right, and I think those kind of churches can become very legalistic and, and very lifeless. But a church that focuses on, on righteousness can become this life-giving place where you can you know, come in, you can breathe in the air, you can feel the peace, and, and, and you can become the person that God has created you to be. And that's what, I, that's what we want this church to be, right? By the way, I think this is also where a lot of marriages can get into trouble. If you need to be right all the time, you're gonna fight all the time. I had to learn this early on. I always, I love being right, <laughs> but you know, we 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 would fight a lot. But the thing is that that I I want to say is lose some fights, right? It, this will be good for your relationship. Maybe not even just marriage. It'll be good for for relationships. It'll be good for you. Trust me. Now I, I'm not perfect at this. I'm not. The best at allowing myself to be wrong, that is something I struggle with, Stephanie can tell you. But we need to, I need to learn to allow myself to be wrong, to lose. We're not called to be right, we're called to spur one another on toward love and good deeds. And that's messy, it's complicated, but that's love. Amen. So let's get practical. How do we spur one another on toward love and good deeds? Number one, it starts with sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. And I think there's a fine line between manipulation and revelation. Uh, we got to take our cues from the Holy Spirit, and, and that's where these one and other verses start and finish. Now, Abby, our little precious three-year-old girl, uh, has recently learning been, been learning about emotions. Um, she really only has two down: happy and mad. Um, she's like, "There's nothing in between. It's you're either happy or you're mad." And, and she'll always ask us one of two questions, um, depending on our mood or how we're responding. She'll be like, are you happy? And then usually when she's in trouble, she'll be like, are you mad? And we're like, well, no, we're not mad, but there's consequences, to, and trying to explain all that. But I'm going to be real with you guys. Last, last week, I came home, and for no reason in particular, I was just in a funk, right? I, I was just in a bad mood. And everything was annoying to me, even though nothing in particular was annoying to me. And then I just came home. I didn't really say much. And then I sat on the couch. The kids were playing on, on the floor in the living room. And Stephanie was in the kitchen fixing dinner. And she asked me a question. And I don't even remember what it was. But I just kind of snapped at her. And like I, I, was, I responded in not a nice way. And then Abby... Like, put down her toy, and then she came over to me, climbed up on the couch, and walked up to me. And she's like, Daddy, are you mad? And that really got me. It gave me pause. And I was like, I'm I'm sorry, baby. Yeah, Daddy's mad. I was like, I I don't know why. And she goes, it's okay. And she gave me a little kiss, and then goes back to play. But my three-year-old daughter spurred me on toward love and good deeds. You, you don't need a seminary degree. You don't, need, you don't need your Sunday best. I think what we need is a heart that's sensitive enough to the Holy Spirit to see these opportunities to love one another, to spur one another on. I promise not a day goes by when, when there's not an opportunity if you're willing to see it and seize it. I think it's about saying, Holy Spirit, you have veto power in my life. Holy Spirit, when you convict me, I will repent, and I'm gonna, I, I will respond and, and say, you know, I'm sorry. When you prompt me, I'm going to listen, and I'm going to respond in faith and obedience, and I'm going to do what you tell me to do. So number one, we need a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. Number two, don't ignore red flags. Several years back, I had this friend. Um, we, used, we went to Bible college together, and that's how I first met him. But we've kind of um, grown apart. Um, but he started making a lot of you know, strange life decisions, a lot of really drastic uh, moves. Um, I won't get into all of it. But his wife, quote-unquote, suddenly decided to leave him and his family and his kids. Um, and talking to him later, he said that there were a lot of warning signs. He said, he said I, I wish I didn't ignore the red flags, right? He said he, said, he saw that there were a lot, of, a lot of things, small things at first, right? Not a huge deal, um, but that he wished he had the courage to speak up and, and to say something, to reach out and get help before something happened. And, but the huge mistake happened. It hurt him. It hurt his family. It hurt their friends, their loved ones, and there was a lot of fallout that followed. Now, is this an extreme example? Well, yeah. But how many of us have friends or, or loved ones that we see some red flags in their life and we really need the, the courage to speak up and speak out into their life? I heard this said before. Don't internalize, verbalize. In other words, if you have an issue, don't just keep it in. because If you do that, it's going to just get worse, Right? If you have something to say, say it, verbalize it, talk it out, work it out, and that's kind of a key thing. Go with the purpose of working out. Don't just be like, oh, verbalize it, I'm going to blow up on you. That's not helpful. Here's what I've learned is that tough decisions usually get tougher. Uh, In the same vein, tough conversations will get tougher. Sometimes we have to be willing to hurt people if we want to help them. Now, I'm not talking about careless words spoken out of anger, but I'm talking about prayerful words spoken out of gentleness because you genuinely love someone and you care about them. Proverbs 27, 6. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. In other words, it might not be the ones that are kissing up to you, being nice to you that are your friends, right? Those might even be your enemies. But it's someone that is willing to wound us. I'm not talking again, I'm Not talking about someone just throwing stones at you and just insulting you or whatever. L- let me be specific. And then it starts healing, but it starts healing the wrong way. Uh, uh, it might seem like cruel and unusual punishment, but what's the doctor going to do? They're going to re-break it, right? They're going to re-break it and then set it uh, so that it begins to heal the right way. And if you didn't know what he was doing, like you just come and he doesn't tell you and he just like re-breaks your arm, you would think it was cr- he was crazy, but it's because it's healing in the wrong way. So a wound has to be incurred in order so, to to set it correctly so it can heal in the right way. And that's what we're, I'm talking about. We're talking about wounding someone in in a way, in a place that they need to be wounded. Now, if this was a few months back, but um, for those of you that don't know me, I tend to be a perfectionist. Um, like, I, I, I want things done my way. I want them done the right way or <laughs> uh, sometimes it's usually the same, right? No, I kid, I kid. Um, my way is the right way. No. But anyway, I, I, I'm joking, I'm joking. We were discussing an upcoming event, and I, I don't remember exactly what it was, but um, I presented my ideas in that kind of way, my way is the right way, and, and Pastor Colleen said to me, Timothy, I think there's some pride in your life. How? Like, like, I don't know about pride. There's a pride. Little- but no, like we can get, we get defensive when someone wounds our fragile egos, right? And usually we respond maybe negatively at first, but can I be honest, I think she was dead on. And I'm trying to work on this, and I'm trying to get better at that, and be more cautious and just aware of how I'm speaking. Am I speaking in a way that honors people and builds them up, or am I speaking in a way that tears people down? Now, does this mean that all the pride has been extracted from my life? Yeah, I'm perfect now. I'm just kidding. Far from it. No. Uh, but, but I look back, and, and here was someone, in this case it was my mom, uh, who was willing to wound me. A- and it hurt, but wounds from a friend can be trusted. Number three, we need to walk the talk. We need to live it better than we preach At the end of the day, I want those who know me best to respect me The most. If that's not the case, I think I'm doing something wrong. Now, do I always live it better than I preach it? No, I don't think so. (laughs) But but what I'm trying to say is we don't just spur people on with our words. You do it with your life. Now, usually I'm up here and leading worship and not preaching, but um, I want to brag on our guitarist Frank, um, who actually wasn't. They're not here this morning. They're homesick, um, but hopefully they're watching online. But he is pretty much willing, those of you that know him, he's pretty much willing to help serve in any way that he can, right? I, I know he works full-time and he's usually pretty tired, but he is always willing to step up and help someone in need. And that willingness to serve spurs me on toward love and good deeds. It, it makes me want to step up and help out in the areas that I can. Or, I told you I was going to talk about you, Christian. Christian. Someone like Christian, who you know, a year ago was struggling with a life of addiction, but now he helps ru- usually run our sound. He actually has like a week or two off. But he, he does what he can with the equipment that he has, or the equipment that we have. And it's not like he d- d- did sound professionally, right? You, you never, he's never ran sound before, but he saw a need, and he was willing to step up and try and learn and to try and help out how he could. And, and it's that servanthood spirit that spurs me on love and good deeds. You know, sitting here during uh, worship, it was weird being able to just enter in and worship this morning, but it was we were so blessed with Christina stepping up and and filling in and leading worship. But, you know, whenever she gets going and just entering in and just singing, you know, it it gets me. I just want to enter in and, and, you know, I get to enter in and sing. And it's not about the music like Joshua, you know, I'll air drum in. But no, it, it, it's not about the music, it's about someone that's drawn to the heart of God and that draws me in, right? Or someone like J.R. I don't know if you guys know, but he seems to know everyone and everything about everyone. <laughs> I mean, not really, but but if you talk to him, Jr., you're, he's genuinely interested in you as someone who, who's a unique recipient of God's grace, as, as someone with a unique story, um, as someone that... That he, just, he wants to know about you. And he's genuinely interested in you. And that uh, spurs me on to take a genuine interest in other people. Now I could go on and on. But, but what I'm trying to say is we need to walk the talk. We need to spur one another on with our lives. Let's live our lives in a way that the gifts that God has given us impact one another. I'm going to close with one last thought. At the end of this verse... It says, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. And I know what you're thinking, oh, that's every pastor's favorite verse, right? Like, go to church. Well, I mean, yeah, go to church. Do it. But it's this idea, and, you know, I I have a really close friend um, that kind of has fallen into this idea, is that I don't need church. I don't need church. How many of you guys, have you guys heard someone say that before? But it's like, okay, but you're kind of completely missing the point because the church needs you, right? This, this idea, I don't need church, it reflects this consumer mentality. That's fine in a capitalist economy, but it's not fine in church. It's not what church is about because it, church isn't about what do you get from going to church. I, we hope you do get something from going to church. Hopefully it's not, hopefully you do get something out of it. But, and, and we want Freedom Church to be a place where when people miss church, they actually miss church. But it's not about what what do I get out of this, but what can I bring to the table? God's ultimate goal, it's not for you to come to church and sit in the chair for like 70, 80, 90 minutes, whatever. It's not about that. That's an important part of the process, but I think because we live in such an individualistic society, a lot of times we think we can fly solo, but we really can't. And I think that's what the heart of this series is about. You will never get where God wants you to go by yourself. It's not an individual sport. You can't, you can't do this alone. Church is a team sport, and we have the privilege to be part of it. So I asked Christina to do this, this song, Build Your Kingdom Here. God, build your kingdom here. Let the darkness fear. Show your mighty hand. Heal our streets. Heal our land. And set your church on fire, right? So... Let's stand up, and we're just going to sing just a verse and chorus, and then we'll close. prayer this morning god that you would lord that you would build your kingdom here lord we thank you for your word lord i pray that it would take root lord that it would bear fruit in our lives lord that we would have a sensitivity to your holy spirit god that we wouldn't ignore red flags Lord, that we would speak genuinely into one another's lives god i pray that we would be willing to walk the talk. Lord, that we would be a church that, that spurs one another on toward love and toward good deeds. Lord, that we wouldn't be satisfied with the status quo. God, I pray that, that uh, Lord, that we wouldn't just be, you know, ch- checking in a box. Lord, that we wouldn't be punching in our time card. Lord, that we would actually want to be part of your church. Lord, I pray that, that our church, Lord, that this church would be a vehicle for the preaching of of the good news Lord that it would be for for taking back territory from the enemy Lord and and I pray Lord your kingdom come Lord that your will would be done Lord we thank you for the privilege that we get to be part of it and and we just we we love you we honor you Lord and that you would be with us as we go out in your name Amen. amen